Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to Dwell a Circe Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. I'm Emily Hill, and joining me are Karen Kern and Renee Mathis. Hey, friends. Hi. Hi, ladies. So a quote that I recently discovered by our dear friend Plato says, Of all the animals, the boy is the most unmanageable. (laughs) And as... I would guess most of y'all listening are homeschool moms. If you have a boy of your own, you might have chuckled a little bit at that. And we chuckle because it's true in our minds. Here we are with these boys and they often do feel like animals and rather unmanageable. So today we're going to share a lovely conversation about boys. We're going to talk about how do you homeschool boys? What is true education for a boy? What do the days at home look like? Or what should they look like with raising these wild animals? And also the beauty of being a mom of boys, the joy of that relationship, the difference between boys and girls, and how to walk alongside them, not only as moms, but also as mentors and guides and also as wives to husbands who are raising boys as well. So thank you for joining us in a discussion on boys. We are going to jump right in because to be honest, I have much less boy mom experience than Renee and Karen, as we were just chatting about it there. They are on the other side of, I mean, they have boy grandchildren now. I guess you're kind of back into it now. A little bit. So let's, I mean, we, we have all introduced ourselves and our families and talk about it all the time, but for the sake of the boy conversation, so everyone kind of knows where our boys currently are, maybe just share how many boys you have, how old they are, and then we'll just jump in there. So Karen, you with your, with your boys, 
Tell us a little bit about your boys. Hey, so David just turned 35 and he has three boys who are 10, just turned nine and five. And when they come over, the door flies open and they come in running full speed with their cowboy boots clicking on the floor. Uh, Lucas might have a lizard coming out of a pocket and they run straight to the pantry to see what snacks there are. So that's David and his three. And then Matthew is 33 and um, he has two daughters. And then Andrew John lives in Florida and he's 26. And so all of them are grown. They're all men now. And it is really fun to watch the whole process beginning again with the grandsons. I agree. That's the same thing over here because my oldest Kyle is 38 and he has three boys. Um, but and like David also has a daughter, right? They, right. David also. So, yeah. So Kyle has, has three boys and they are, oh my goodness, let's see if I can get it right. Seven, almost 10 and 12. And then uh, our other son, Kevin is 31 and he is still single. So, um, but I do have two other grandsons who uh, my daughter, Katie, and they are four and 10. So at Thanksgiving, they were all here. There was a lot of boy activity going on because the boys definitely outnumbered the girls. Which they do bring so much energy. Okay, so we do, we have a broad range of, of boys between the three of us here, whether it's um, young grandchildren, um, grown men, sons, and I'll throw in my, I have one boy who is um, 16. So we're in the teenage years and that is, that's an experience all to itself. Those of you who have teenage boys um, and girls too, we're going to specifically talk about boys, but man, we could have a whole conversation about raising teenagers and the, the joys and sorrows of that. So as we jump into our conversation about boys, um, this specific podcast, we're going to do two parts because it was such a, a large conversation. So at this, this first part, we're just going to talk about um, educating and raising boys in the younger years. So, you know, birth through age 12-ish on there. And um, a question that I hear often, and then Karen brought this up the other day, and honestly, this is one of the reasons we decided let's chat about boys, is as homeschool moms, we're not sending our kids off to school for the day and thus for five days a week. Um, we're home with them all the time. And you're home with these boys who are, let's be honest, just so different than you are. And that's the beauty of God's creation in male and female, that male and female, he created them in the image of God. So here we are all image bears, but so very different from each other. And here they are at home. So a question that we've, and comment we've heard is um, on the education side, what does it mean to educate a boy at home? And what, what, what should it look like with the differences? Um, so I would love to ask y'all that question who have homeschooled your boys in different settings. And even at sometimes, you know, have sent them to school. Um, I think that's okay to kind of weave that thread in there, different life experiences with these boys. What were, like, how did you craft that for good or maybe looking back and be like, Hey, I wish I would have done some things differently. How did you craft that education experience and maybe speak a little bit about the differences between boys and girls, as far as school goes? 
I know one thing when we, um, we started because our oldest is a son. And so we started with kindergarten, you know, when he was five and I was thankful that we kept it pretty informal, you know, in the early years, um, we did school on the floor a lot because I had a toddler. And so we either schooled around nap times or were, you know, just fitting it in where we could. Um, so I, you know, I love what Charlotte Mason has to say about keeping lessons short um, plenty of outdoor playtime, plenty of um, breaks, you know, to to not try to just do school at home. And I, I you know, of course, I, I we tried that, of course, and then we had little desks and um, but it usually defaults back to the dining table and um, a much more kind of organic springing up around real life. But um, one thing I learned early on with my son was. Not not to assume that, you know, just because he is a boy that, that he is going to learn a certain way. And I think that's where as moms, we have to really be attentive to and pay attention to our own kids' personalities and their learning styles and, and what works well for them. Because I remember purchasing for a lot of money, which I regret, um, but we all have those stories, um, a popular curriculum at the time. And that was supposed to be so good for boys because it was going to be so hands-on. And I think Kyle was probably seven or eight at the time. And, and it was just supposed to be the, you know, the answer to what your boy needs. And it involved like dressing up in costumes as frontier characters and building these things. And, and I remember Kyle looking at me and kind of like, mom, can I just read the book? <laughs> you know, I was like, that was the most unlike him that I could have chosen. I mean, it, it was the most contrary to his his bent his gifts his personalities um so yeah there there are some boys who thrive on just reading the book right you don't have to go all out of your way to try to create this thing um but that that's not so much boys as it is i think just learning about the, the strengths of our particular kids and then when our second son came along of course he was totally 180 degrees opposite and that's being a mom, right? We're always challenged to <laughs> to adapt as, as the next kid comes along and and they're different. So I'm not sure if that answers the question or not, but Karen, what did you find work for y'all? Um I I just want to second your comment about to not be tempted to do quote school at home. Because so well. Most of us, many of us who are women enjoyed school as children in the younger years. I see our daughter, granddaughter, Serafina, goes to a, a three morning a week um, K-4 program. And she comes home and the first thing she does is she gets out her little um, Crayola notebooks, coloring books with all the um letters to trace. And she sets herself up at her little table and she plays school. And and that's just so natural to her and she loves it. But boys never do that. They never come home from school and play school. They just want to do all the other things besides school. And as moms, often we take on that role as a female teacher and we want our homes to look like a classroom with everybody sitting still for extended periods of time. And I remember so often teaching third grade and I had to keep 20 children in a classroom for six hours a day. And I would, I would look at some of these boys and I would say, wow, you could have done all their academics in two hours. You could be out playing. And I have to either extend recess or, you know, try to keep you in your seat. And um, it's just like, I just think so it's just such 
that's not a natural thing for a boy to be sitting, to be focused for hours at a time. And that the shorter the lessons and the more variety and the more flexibility, the better. And I notice sometimes on Instagram or social media, people will post pictures of their girls sitting at their desks, you know, and it looks so peaceful and quiet. And then, you know, other people I have who are who have boys, they've got a picture of their son doing headstands against the wall and reciting their math facts. And you have to be okay with that, of, of um, being flexible and letting them move and um, getting outside. The more they can get outside, the more they can move, the better. And so- so some boys, they actually can make, can, can get that information in their heads and keep it there and focus when their hands are moving or when their feet, feet are moving or when they're on a bouncy chair or when they're on their you know heads or when they're jumping and doing their math facts jumping. We have to be okay. Right. And I think we've learned so much in the last several years as far as how our brains work and how our bodies work and that yeah that, that you know sitting in a chair for hours and hours at a time it's just not the best probably the most productive way for anyone to learn right and yet, somehow you still have to get there they still have to learn diligence and self-control in incremental age appropriate ways so it's not right. like you don't ever require that of them. You don't ever say, well, we're doing morning time. We're all going to sit here. We're all going to listen. We're all going to read. We're all going to, you have to do your handwriting. You have to, you have to learn how to hold your pencil and you have to do your math facts, but somehow you have to be able to, um, to nurture that in them, still allowing them to be boys, not girls. Mm-hmm. When asking ourselves, and I think we talked about this a little bit when we talked about what is classical education and as we are educating our boys to ask, well, what is the purpose of school? And not what does it look like as far as kids sitting at their desks, tables, doing whatever the school work is, but what is my goal? And it, you're, you are all, and the three of us, we're in a funny position when a mother is the primary instructor because you are wearing so many hats at this point then, um, so many relational hats with your son Um, because you are their teacher and you do have a responsibility to offer them this information or whatever it is that they need to be learning. Um, And Renee, you spoke to this earlier when we were chatting um, that we want our boys to be able to (laughs) be boys and some of the, the, opportunities that should be presented to them and that is let them play roughly let them get outside um let them wrestle in a rough house and those are all things that we hear but um as we were talking earlier i really appreciated one thing renee said that that it is not an opportunity to just be a wild animal in that um just like if we saw a grown man who was just completely out of control and had not learned how to govern himself, um, we might even say, what mom raised this kid? Uh, you know? um, yeah, I think I used the word brute or something. Yeah, yeah but it's down um, on that, yeah. Renee. Well, just that, you know, as moms, we have that relationship with our son, which is precious. and and. But we also get to be their teacher, which is another 
hat that we wear, like you said. But part of being a parent is training our children to get along in the world. And one of the things that we want to do is, you know, train these little boys who are going to grow up to be someone else's Lord willing, you know, husband and father. And so things like, you know, you, you have to learn how to take care of your clothes and your room and your belongings. Um, you don't get a pass. You don't get to say, well, he's just a boy. So he gets to be a slob. Like that's somehow an excuse. Um, so, because, you know, this, this, we all have to know how to take care of our belongings. It's that dominion stewardship thing, right? That, that we, we start small by, by taking ownership of little things and then we progress to bigger and bigger things, but we have to take care of those things. Um, you know, learning manners and respect. Um, you know, our house was never, you know, like a military install, installation or anything. Like we weren't like super hard nosed about everything. But one thing was you have to respect your parents. And that's one thing we didn't put up with was um, kids disrespecting mom and dad. So so there are certain things like good manners and being in relationship with people and and learning how to take care of your things and how to do chores and how to clean things. All of those things are just part of learning how to be a human being in the world. Right. So um, especially for little boys who are home with mom a lot, that's a good opportunity to sort of get those habits and skills in there so that we can talk about this on the next podcast. When we talk about older boys, um, you've already laid that foundation and you have a good relationship with them that um, as you're letting them go into the world and, and be under the authority of other people. And maybe um, this you know, is where, uh, maybe this is where it matters that we don't use the, the, terminology doing school in that we have an understanding with our boys that these, these really short years. And what's funny is, you know, like when you, you have little bitty kids and I remember being in the grocery store and I had like one strapped to me in the baby carrier, one in like two in the cart and one on the side and all that. And the sweet little old grandma comes up to you and you're like, Oh, it's such precious years. It's going to be over in one second. And you're going to be sad that it's gone. And you're like, that's a lie. (laughs) <laughs> it's a lie that I'm going to be sad that's gone. And I don't, I don't even know on this day why I decided to have boys. But now, even with having teenagers, I have a, a really dear sister-in-law who has four boys who are ages two to eight, somewhere in there. And I look at there, I'm like, oh, those precious years when they're just all rough and tumble and they're just like out in the woods and they're just crazy and they're all over the place. She's losing her mind with these four boys. And I already view it as precious as I'm sure you do as grandparents. Uh, So looking at these years and saying this in education from the Latin word educare, which means to draw up, it's not doing school. You're not just doing school with your boys. You are a part of these formative years with these young men and they, you're right. They're crazy. That's so true. But maybe on those days, just be like, there's my crazy voice. Um, and sometimes it's crazy hard. And maybe Karen, you can speak to this a little bit because I know um, you recently were in a conversation of someone saying, you know, when when I'm educating my son and what do I do when they like fight me on the work and how boys and girls can be different in that um, when they say, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do my handwriting and I'm not going to do this. And as a mom and a teacher, what do you do then when you're having someone who's like pushing back, pushing back, pushing back? Yeah. That mother that I was talking to was at David's bookstore. And she said, 
She said that she did classical, quote, classical education with her daughters. And then she had a son that came along and classical education didn't work anymore for their family. So, of course, that had the potential and I didn't have the time. But the question then is, well, what, how are you defining classical education? How are you doing it? Because um, that's that's a really big question. But obviously, boys are well suited to classical education. We're talking about the development of wisdom and virtue and um, it, it's perfectly suited to them. We just have to be so careful that, that we don't assume that, oh, it's just, it's just a lot of book work. It's just a lot of reading hard books. It's a lot of writing. It's, it's, it, it can be those things, but that's not what it has to be. And um, what was the second part of your question about, um, no, I forget. When, when they fight you on the oh, web. Oh, right. So, so they, they just can't do that. Like, like Renee was saying, like, they just have to be taught that that is that is not okay. If if you assign them something to do, then they they have to do it. And part of that, I think, is getting dad involved, and and not that he comes home and he has to hear all the terrible things that happen during the day, but I think that it's really important for for dads to have some kind of um, <coughs> input into the tasks that their boys are going to be held accountable for, and that they. They don't have to be involved in the data that day to that that, but there has to be some accountability to dad and and moms moms just can't let their boys say no to them and not have a consequence. And I think it's particularly hard, and we'll talk about this in the older years too. But so everybody knows about the enneagram, and I'm a nine, and so my greatest desire is for peace. And so it's re it, it was really really hard for me to come at a, a son who is defying me with more strength than he had for me to to respond to that you know what I mean because it's easier it's easier in the moment to either let it go or to say fine just don't do it you can tell your dad about that or to say you know I'm so tired I don't, I don't even care what you do you know it's we we it's so easy to fall into those things but you have to you have to establish that authority, loving authority early. You just do. Yeah, I would agree. But along with the loving authority and Karen, I, I know we're kind of talking about two sides of the same thing in, in a way of balance. I'm not contradicting you. Along with the loving authority is that joy and that love that we're drawing our kids into, right? We're, we're right. teaching them this way. We're teaching them these things because we love it and we love them and we love the Lord and we love what we've been called to. And it's not like, all right, sit down while I pour this stuff into your head. It's like, hey guys, we're all on this journey together and we're all traveling this road together as a family. Um, and and it's, it's it has the possibility of being super joyful and a celebration and a delight or it can just be a real miserable, right. miserable trip. Every day, every day can have both of those things. Like every yeah. hour can have both of those things. And I think right. mothers need, I think mothers need to remember to celebrate boyness to, mm-hmm. to when like Lucas comes in and truly a lizard is crawling out of his pocket. You know, <laughs> like you just have to love that. And you have to, you have to appreciate when they're outside and they come in all muddy. Like, I don't mean like love every moment of it. I, I mean, celebrate it let, and let them know that you love them so much that. Um, 
yeah, appreciate their brightness, right. that you're not wishing and, and, they weren't dirty, that you were wishing that, you know, that they could sit more quietly, that they wouldn't pound the walls, that they wouldn't hit Every time they go through a wall, you know, a teenage boy has to jump up and hit it. Like, and so touch it. Marks or finger marks up the side of your hall because somebody is climbing the walls, like literally climbing the walls. And, you know, you can just like, you just have to enjoy that because it's going to be gone soon. Right. Well, at the classical education, oh my goodness, how many of the heroes are we reading about that are males, right? right. And how fun is it to act out some of those stories or to to delight in reading these, these wonderful tales, um, you know, and, and part of, remember part of the ancient Greek education system was gymnastics, right? It's training your body. And so learning to be coordinated and to throw a ball and to, to do things with your physical self is definitely part of classical education. And it's virtuous, you know, when they're practice, 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 and they're, they're playing basketball and they, they can, they can get those hoops repeatedly. That's an example of virtue. Or when their their coach has them running and they're 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 beating their time in cross country. All of that, all of that is so formative to building virtue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I'll I'll jump in on uh, something that Renee said earlier. Um, that does apply to education as far as seeing each of your children, your boys, as their own selves. So as you're listening to this, you may hear, hey, I don't, I don't have a rough and tumble boy. I actually don't have a boy like that. Maybe, I mean, maybe your boys are, are not like that. Maybe they're not, you know, pulling lizards out of their pocket. And, and I think actually my son was not a, he was not a a games and toys, um, like, he didn't love Legos. He wasn't a builder. He, you know, things like that. He was, he, he, you know, he had his own unique things that he loved and, and recognizing that they're still a boy, you know, even if they don't have some of the more, what we stereotype as um, the rough housing and whatever, every single boy is still, we still celebrate their, their boyness um, that even if they don't have those stereotypical characteristics, there is something um, unique and precious about this child that is becoming a man that as a mom who like truly, I cannot understand it. I do not, I never will, but learning to come alongside that. And um, I love what you said, Karen, about um the place of a father. In fact, I asked my husband, I said, Hey, I'm going to be talking about raising boys. And it's three of us moms talking. What are your, like, what do you have to say? And, and that was his, he was like, I would only say one point, just make sure they have men in their life who they actually do understand them. Um, and I will say this on the next one, when talking about teens and having even older boys, um, twenties, thirties, of learning to trust your son's father is a really, really, really big deal. And it's often really a hard fought battle because as homeschool moms, it's in our heads. Like, Hey, I've got a plan. I'm raising these kids. I know what to do, but educate them this way. And, and we're all like Charlotte Mason classical people. And we know like, let's get our boys outside and whatnot, but learning to trust your husband, even when you may not agree with, I mean, 
there, to be honest, there were times I'm like, oh my goodness, he's too hard on our son. And I just thought he would be, should be like nicer to him. And, and I already look back now and I see the respect and the trust that was established between them because of that, that if I'd have given him a free pass, they wouldn't have to this day. So I'm, I'm just adhering what you said, Karen, of just, and not only your husband, just find men for your son. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and this is going to come up in the teen years, but it's such a big conversation now, and you could just give some maybe advice. I know it was different when you had, um, your own boys at home, but now you have grandsons. Um, one of the things that's such a big question right now is what do you do with screens and boys? And there's such a draw for boys um, in every way, whether it's phones or video games um, or internet. Like I said, some of that's a teen thing, but it starts at a young age of what screen time do we allow when we have to acknowledge that our kids live in, it's a screen generation. This is a screen generation. Um, so maybe you can't speak from experience. Maybe you're going to just give opinion and advice on this one. But what do you do with screens, particularly in the younger years? And then we'll, it's a big conversation with teens, believe me. Yeah. So I've, I've watched David and Bethany navigate this because, you know, Coulter is 10. And so, and they, they will, they will vie for all the screen time that they can have. Um, in terms of games, and so Coulter likes to make videos. He's he's actually really, really good. They make movies and um, they remake their favorite scenes from movies. It's, it's brilliant. I mean, I'm their grandma, but I think it's brilliant. Um, but he can spend a lot of time, like they'll they'll do a script, they'll do... They'll act out scenes. He'll film it with somehow with his iPad. I don't know. But to get the iPad, he has to get permission to get the iPad. And I think that they have set controls on that. And it's and so they can do creative things like Minecraft and all of these things. I don't even understand what they're doing on there. But but the point is that it's decided between David and Bethany how much time, how they're going to use it and that there are controls put on it. And I think that those are the main main things right and then another thing is that like my husband he likes to play fifa he likes to play with our playstation and that's something that david comes over and after the poker game is over they'll play a few games of fifa and then culture will say can i play and then they they're kind of building community when they do that together right they're all staring at the screen but they can chat while they're playing and so you know all of the women in the family we just kind of roll our eyes at this but I know that there's community building going on with them, you know, grandpa, son, and grandchild all playing this game. So I don't want to say it's all terrible, but there, it just, I think it just really, you have to determine how much and the controls and then stick to it. Yeah, that's something I feel pretty ill-equipped to, to offer advice on. Um, we were just barely, you know, kind of getting into all that when we were raising our kids. And, um, so I would say 
from the perspective of someone that, I mean, I love my phone. I, I like getting texts from people and I like seeing what my kids are posting and what the latest pictures of the grandbabies are. And I, I understand with myself, I have, I have to watch and, and not be tempted to, to, to look at it too much and to use it as a distraction and not a tool. So I would say for parents, ask yourself, what kind of habits do you want to build into your kids that, would this be okay for a grown-up to do? Is this something that would be okay if they were 35 and doing this? And if not, then it's probably something that a child shouldn't be doing either. So I would look at things like, are they getting plenty of time to read by themselves? Do they read good books? Number two, are you reading aloud as a family? Are you, are you doing family things together? Are you eating together? Um, are you, are, are they having, do they have time to finish their schoolwork? I mean, basically, Look at all these other things that should take priority over just wasting time with a screen. And Karen, I'm not talking about you know, using the screen as a creative tool or using it as a way to do something as an activity with a person. I'm, I'm talking more about just, you know, oh, I'm tired and I don't want to deal with you. Go play with your tablet, that kind of stuff. So that would be my encouragement to moms to, to look at how they're, what, what does the pie chart look like of their day and their activity and if you feel like screens are taking over in a way that's unhealthy, they probably are. And you might want to look at replacing that with something um, that is more in line with what you think a child should be spending their time doing. And and sometimes it's modeling, right? I mean, always it's modeling, but like mm-hmm. if a child, even if a four-year-old sees you always looking at your phone, they're going to want to look at the phone too, you mm-hmm. know, or if they see dad checking his phone all through dinner, you know, it, then it's hard to limit their screen time when you don't limit your own or right. have it carefully. Well, right. and I, I'll offer some encouragement as my kids are in the screen generation and I'm raising them um, in that we have iPads, we have laptops, we have phones, and it's just always there. So my encouragement is that, yes, friends, I do. It is hard. I'll acknowledge it is, it is very hard. And when I talk to um, even the next step generation, they will all say, wow, you guys have it harder in that way, in that specific area. You do have it harder because we never had to deal with that. We never had the fights of watching movies and how much video game time in the same way. Um, so while acknowledging that it's hard, I, this is something that I, we've kind of worked through. Stand firm stand firm in it to say there is, um, there is, it's so easy just to be like, sure, just because for boys, you know what video games does? It keeps them quiet. Like they're quiet and they're like contained. And like, I mean, my son could probably play video games for 10 hours straight and there he would just be in the basement, quiet, no trouble at all, but they're not trouble. We're, we're actually, actually they are trouble. We're here to walk them, like be their moms through trouble. Um, and so stand firm on the screen time and use it for a tool as Karen said, and whether it's connecting or whatever, or we have, like, we have a family movie night and it's really lovely. Um, and there's times my kids watch shows and, but we chose to homeschool because we're countercultural. It was a conscious choice. We wanted to be that. So hold fast to that, um, with the screen time, um, we, wow, we are, I just feel like we probably could talk for another 30 minutes just on 
raising our young sons. Um, but we we're, we do need to wrap up here. Um, I am excited to uh, continue the conversation and talking about older boys. Um, the the last thing I'm just going to throw out there, and it's a conversation that comes up among, maybe we jump into this next time too, among moms all the time uh, is, is it easier to raise boys than girls? And you hear this all the time. And I'm kind of taking this informal survey of if a mom has girls that are hard, it's harder to raise girls. And if you have a boy that's harder, it's harder to raise boys. So I'm kind of like thinking through this a little bit, like, is there a gender that's harder to raise? And then some people say boys are harder when they're young, but they're easier as teens and then vice versa. Um, and you guys can give me your opinion on this as well, but I don't think that a gender is harder to raise than another. I, there are, we're all, we all acknowledge that some, some kids are more troublesome than others. That's true. And it's like a common family thing. Like, oh, you have that kid, right? We all, and then it's like that their name pops into your mind. Like, oh yeah, that kid I have. Um, but when you look at a combination, maybe it's less gender that's hard. And it's just the families that God has placed together. So my son is himself and I am me and my husband is him. And then there's these other three girls and this combination that God has crafted and purposefully for this time and place put together, there's going to be some hard things about it, but it isn't that boys are harder to raise than girls. Um, it really is just this path of salvation that we are placed on with these children and this spouse to draw our hearts towards him. So we are going to wrap up. Do you guys have any last thoughts on raising, raising young boys before we finish? No, but I would just say amen to what you just said about boys versus girls. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So friends, just keep loving those boys, celebrate their boyness and enjoy the rough and tumble and just enter, enter into that, enter into that joy and beauty. And remember that our Lord and Savior was a boy too. And just kind of the beauty of, um, of a full life of manliness and the joy of getting to, to say, wow, what a gift to be able to be such a part of those early formational years of your future man's life. So keep up the good work. And here's to home. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.